Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Woo Curious Podcast, your map to the mystical, your key to the sacred, and your guide back home to yourself. I'm Eileen, a writer, a spiritual coach, energy healer, and slow living witch. And I'm Ellie, a sacred sensuality facilitator, a spiritual coach, and an anointing priestess. This podcast is your invitation to explore a world where the mundane and the sacred intertwine. It is a haven for those ready to take the first steps into the realm of magic and mystery, providing a safe space for you to embark on your own enchanted journey. Here we'll unveil the whispers of the mystical, the rituals often hidden in plain sight, and the ceremonies that will stir your soul. We're all about demystifying woo and witchcraft, making these ancient practices accessible to all. So whether you're a seasoned seeker or simply woo curious, we are here to guide you on your path to self-discovery, healing, and empowerment. So join us as we light the way and invite you to rediscover your true essence. Welcome back, Woo Crew, to the Woo Curious Podcast. I'm your host, Ellie, and I'm here with Eileen. As always, we're here to bring you another episode, this time on Yule and Yule traditions and paganism and all things holiday, this December holiday. But first, Eileen, I think you have a new review to read out to us. Is this correct? I do, yes. I have one all pulled up and ready to go. This is on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rather, which is, as far as we know, the only place you can leave a review. I don't think Spotify lets you. So here it is for today. This is from Dahl Ran. Uh, The title is Amazing Listen for Us Witchy Babes, and it's a five-star review, obviously. (laughs) And Dalran says, I am someone who goes in and out of witchy practices. I love how excited this podcast got me into practicing again. Great topics, and it feels like I'm chatting with friends on my couch. 100% recommend. Oh, how lovely. Thank you so much. It's so perfect. That's exactly how we want people to feel is how we feel we're just chatting <laughs> just on, the couch. On, our, on our couches well actually on our office chairs mostly but yeah <laughs> practically the same thing practically for sure so thank you doll Rand. yeah thank you so much so we also have events that have happened and are coming up for our patreon membership so if you don't know we're going to talk about the patreon membership at the end of the episode but for those of you that are in it we've just had our new moon card reading which is very exciting and what's coming up is our witch's corner which is like a Q&A coven chit chat to ask all your questions about anything witchy and woo and everything in between and ongoing for the month of december we're reading if women R- rise rooted and I'm so excited about that book. I know it's your favorite. It's so good. Yeah, it's my favorite for sure. It's so beautiful. And I'm so glad to be revisiting it. And there will be some questions for thought posted in the Patreon this week. And yeah, we're just really, really looking forward to getting to gather at the end of the month and chat about it. It is a beautiful starting point for the book club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about ma- like magical moments. What magical thing happened to you in the last week? Did anything come up? Hmm. The thing that immediately jumps to my mind, and so I'm going to roll with it, is the Christmas party that I was at on Saturday. It was a friend's Christmas gathering, and it was a riot because it's a group of people that I play D&D with. If you're on our Patreon, you're getting a little extra behind the scenes D&D chit chat <laughs> and a so, revelation a revelation from me a mind-blowing yes. revelation from me right so yeah I was there on Saturday night and the thing that's magical for me is just they're the group of people they're so genuine they're so lovely they really accept people for their whole selves all of them do it's just a really really genuine group of folks and we just sang karaoke all night which makes my little heart my little Leo rising heart <laughs> <laughs> Sing center stage and sing yeah <laughs> and I had I had lots of co-singer like there was a lot of people who were like yeah I'm into this let's get up and sing karaoke in the living room so Do that wedding. was pretty magical yeah it was great stayed up a little bit too late drank a little too much wine 
And by too late, I mean, I was in bed by midnight, but. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. It's too late. The wine was the piece, but it was a really fun, lovely, lovely night with friends. I love this. I love, you know what? My favorite part about this time of the year is just the gatherings, the intentional Mm -hmm. gatherings. You know, we have summer solstice and winter solstice. This time of year is all about the gathering. Our shoulder seasons are all about like, the work and the effort and this, this these two opposite ends of the spectrum are all about the gathering mm-hmm. so I also had a bit of a Christmas soiree this this uh, week I'm part of a really amazing um, entrepreneur network called the East Van Entrepreneur Network and one of the originators is somebody who owns a local health clinic, an integrative clinic. And so we meet at the clinic every month, snacks and appies and those sorts of things. And so I realized on my way over how important as I plan my next year, how important it's going to be for me to do gatherings more often and just really mm. casual gatherings with food and with with people and with with like casual conversation, because I think there's so many magical things that happen. And one of the women, this is not the magical moment, but this is also a secondary to it. Um, one of the women that sat next to me, I had never met before. And she's a somatics coach. And it was just really, she was like, hey, wait a minute. I made reference to my high priestess and how her and I are doing doing things differently in the next year. And she said, okay, I just need to clarify what you mean by like you are high priestess. And I was like, oh, pull up a seat, please. Anyways, I think things may happen between us in the future. Instantly, I was like, wait a minute, we both do embodiment work. Wait a minute, we both work on sensuality. Wait a minute, how do we move? How do we go together? How do we move, make mm-hmm. this into a workshop for people of the East Vancouver uh, community? So I think that we'll do something. We'll see. Amy, if you're listening to this, hello. And then <clears throat> the magical moment is that I was gifted these incredible, I wish they had them with me. They're in the other room. These incredible homemade tea lights that are black with a pentacle on top from Brit of West Coast Marketing and there's sparkle in them and so when you light them they shimmer and I she gave them to me and I literally was like oh my gosh so I have these wonderful pentacle the reason we have them is because they're set up with the Yule stuff on the kitchen table um but they're going to be lit during our ceremony for, for for Yule I love that. That just reminded me of the gift that I got in my secret Santa with my D&D friends, which was a tarot deck that's Dungeons and Dragons themed. Can we like get a round of applause for whoever purchased that? Like, thank you for just- Kelsey Hipkin. (laughs) Kelsey, you are the winner of gifts this Christmas for the secret Santa. Yeah, it was so good. I I screeched a little bit when I opened it. I was like, yes. I love this. Excellent. Magical moments. We're here for them. If you had a magical moment this week, come share it with us over on our Instagram page at the.wocurious.podcast. You can find us there. We have a great lineup of of content coming out at you for the next little bit. So come find us. Yeah. And tag us in your stories. If you're referencing the podcast, if something that you're doing came up because you were listening to the podcast, we love hearing about, you know, where you're listening, how you're listening, how you're engaging. It's really fun for us. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Shall we talk about our pagan traditions? Shall we talk about Yule? Yeah, I think we shall. (laughs) I just have to say, I'm so excited about this because there is... You know, in the formatting of this, in the formulation, really, of this episode, there's so many things that came out that Eileen was telling me that I literally was just like mouth agap, stunned about like, oh my goodness. And so <laughs> I'm really excited for you to to really to drop some some little tidbits of education as we go along. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. I'm trying to find there we are. It's like I've got so much in my brain. I'm trying to find my little notes because I'm a notes gal. It's when you start to dive into all of the Wheel of the Year ceremony celebrations, there's so many little rabbit holes to follow. But I find that Yule has probably the most. And it's because it is the biggest Wheel of the Year celebration for muggles. (laughs) 
<laughs> as it were <laughs> still, right? Christmas is everywhere. It's massive. It's a huge holiday for most of the Northern Hemisphere at the very least. And so this episode is going to just barely like scratch the surface. But so many of our traditions that we think of as Christmas traditions have pagan roots. And while some of them were, you know, fully co-opted by the church, as things go, when you're trying to get a new religion to take root, it's a good idea to like integrate some of the pagan traditions that are happening around the same times of year. I think that often does a little bit of a disservice. There were certainly men in power who blatantly did try to, to co-opt pagan traditions and use them to convert people. But more often than not, it's just the lay folk who continued to practice their traditions. And over time, they got woven in. They maybe shifted meanings as they adopted a new faith. And so I think there is that. We often point blame at the Christian church and for good reason in a lot of cases. But a lot of times it really wasn't malevolent or malicious the way that we sometimes think it was. So I do want to point that out if I'm saying anything that you're like, but... There is that undertone here of most of this was just a really beautiful weaving together as people shifted through different faiths. So some of the things that have pagan traditions or pagan roots that we now really associate with Christmas. Let's start with Christmas caroling. I love this one as I was reading about it. I, you may have heard the term wassailing because I think a, here we go a wassailing is something that some of us may remember, I, I know that for me, this was a familiar term. And it's this idea of going door to door, drinking, singing, drinking to the health of your neighbors. But this one actually goes way back pre-Christian. I'm pretty sure actually when I was doing my reading, it, I'm not sure if it's said, but I would suspect in the kind of UK area, fertility rights. It's similar in a lot of ways to Beltane, where they go out and have wild times in the fields to bless the fields and only this time it is traveling through the fields shouting singing to drive away the spirits that might inhibit the growth of future crops so again blessing the fields as it were protecting them and caroling didn't begin in churches until around the 13th century i guess saint francis about was sailing but we might have called it so you might have called it something different in our Samhain episode as well because we had this going door to door singing instead of saying trick or treat it was really just this you know libation and boisterous fun that was happening yeah that was mumming oh mumming there we go yeah which is, they are very similar traditions that I'm sure they probably both have like originated in the same roots where mumming had involved a little bit of dressing up though. And the trick mm. piece, there were, there was a little bit of rascaliness to mumming. But of course. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the wassailing is more just like, yeah, let's make fun. a nice toasty beverage, good, clean, fun, go sing and toast to our neighbors. I actually, growing up, I haven't done this in ages, but when I was kind of in my early teens, I want to say, a bunch of our friends in Canmore had a tradition of going caroling door to door on Christmas Eve. And I very distinctly remember it was really a fun time. There was probably, you know, 10 or 15 of us all drinking our hot chocolate and my uncle wouldn't let me have his and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> I know why. I know why now. <laughs> and singing carols and our neighbors would come out on their front porches in the like cozy glow of the of the Christmas lights and listen and clap and cheer and we just say Merry Christmas and go on to the next house. Oh my gosh, what like wholesome family fun this is. Right? Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that till just now. I love this. Mm-hmm. How about kissing underneath the mistletoe? Yeah, this one, there's two different kind of ways that we could potentially follow back the tradition and quite possibly one influenced the other long before but the one that's like really an obvious link is the roman tradition so romans celebrated something called or they still may some of them <laughs> saturnalia celebrating the god saturn around the solstice it started on the 17th of december and it was a, a week-long festival so it culminated on the solstice and there's all sorts of merriment that goes on through this week it was a role reversal time so the servants would 
actually like get to run the house. The masters would serve them to an extent, you know, they might serve them their meal. The servants probably still cooked the meal (laughs) from what we know, but it was definitely like loud and boisterous. And I mean, if anybody knew how to have a good time and throw a party, it was the Romans. But they (laughs) actually conducted fertility rites under the mistletoe. So there is that aspect that's the very like okay yeah let's get frisky under the mistletoe there's also a tradition uh, if we go back through germanic history to norse warriors that would come together meeting under mistletoe and laying down arms to have like peace talks or treaties so there's that association too and it's associated with frigga who is the goddess of love the the norse goddess of love that's fun i love this we have a we have a big holly tree in our backyard that I absolutely mm-hmm. adore. I, I cut bits off and bring it in every year. Yeah. And my mama at one point as well said, you have a holly tree? And so I sent her some holly. Actually, I'm putting to- together a package for her. Mama, if you're listening to this, you're getting some holly this year. Mm, love it. Yeah. Holly is very much associated with, again, protection. Yeah. And the holly king, we'll get into that, that myth <laughs> for yes. sure. I've never kissed anyone under mistletoe. I remember when I was little, I thought that was not little, teen, preteen. I thought that was like the most romantic notion ever. <laughs> never Your happened. love of this holiday, of this season, makes me want to love this season. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I can rub off on you. Have you ever kissed anyone under the mistletoe? I feel like I have kissed anybody, somebody under the mistletoe, but I feel like I know that I have. I definitely, my ex-wife and I definitely smooched underneath the mistletoe anytime that we saw it because it was just like a thing, but we rarely saw a mistletoe. So they're not really common. No, no, (laughs) No. but I'm surprised at how many people do hang holly in their, in their doorways for this tradition. And and it's, it's not something that we ever did in my household, but I was shocked when I started going to other people's houses at how many people had holly hanging in the doorway. Yeah, I never had it in the doorway, but I definitely remember having like a holly, it was plastic, but a holly ornament that was part Mm -hmm. of what we brought out every year. And it was the idea of bringing in these evergreens at this time of year really was this kind of celebration of the return of the light and this representation of that which is coming back or doesn't die, you know, that, that piece that holds us through that can go back to neuroscience if we want to like greenery is good for our brains and so whether or not our ancestors knew that from a logical point of view I'm sure that that was a piece of it as well this bringing the greenery inside when everything outside is still cold and snowy and dark and I just I just did a little like quick goog research thanks googs and mistletoe I did not know is actually in like something that looks for a host tree to grow on yes I was just reading that yeah yeah it's almost it gets not noxious but it is it's a it's invasive like it has to live on something else there was some there's some traditions of druids going in and like a part of their ceremony with mistletoe around this time was to slice it off of the host trees like to to take it off as a because it grows on oak of course it grows on oak (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah interesting yeah, yeah I see that the, uh, of course mistletoes are are symbol of fertility and that's why we've we've laid down our weapons and we've maybe gotten a little spicy underneath it mm-hmm. bringing in the traditional fertility it is the darkest time of the year we're just welcoming in the new light and therefore what else is there to do right yeah <laughs> there's a reason there's a baby boom in September and October yeah <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> As an October baby, yes. <laughs> yes. The busy time of year for midwives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so gift giving too, again, there's a bit of um, overlap between a few different traditions here, likely. Part of gift giving certainly goes back to St. Nicholas, who was a Christian bishop in the fourth century. So it's an ancient, it is a Christian tradition in a lot of ways, but the idea of, you know, jolly old St. Nick who comes down the chimney, leaving stockings out, that's more of an ancient Germanic, again, harking back to the Norse mythology piece that is probably from there. We, we don't know for sure because 
there's not like a written record of all of this, <laughs> tracing it back cleanly. But Odin was said to ride through the air on his eight-legged steed. And which I like, I can't get the image in my head, but it just feels weird. <laughs> but he, this steed could jump and leap and go travel great distances, like in one fell jump. And Odin's often depicted as a big old dude with a white beard and so he's got that kind of jolly old saint nick appearance in some ways and children would leave their boots out by the chimney with carrots and hay and stuff for odin's steed and he would leave gifts in return and so that's where likely we got this tradition of hanging stockings and when the dutch came over to north america from europe they brought this tradition of hanging stockings or putting out boots and then that turned into stockings eventually. And the name Santa Claus was a Dutch name for St. Nick that ended up being anglicized and just turned into Santa Claus. Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. And it wasn't until I think it was 1820, I think I read that Christmas was it became advertised. Like it turned started to turn into the commercial holiday that it is now. Not until the 1800s. And mid-1800 is when we get the poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas," and the dude who wrote that poem made up the names for the reindeer. I read that, I was like, oh, of course somebody had to have made up the reindeer names. <laughs> I also love it. Like an eight, I, I can picture an eight-legged horse. Like, it's just like, what a phenomenon. Um, I sort of picture, um, I don't remember the character name, but in Hercules, you know, her Kirk, the yeah. centaur. <laughs> I sort of picture a centaur. I don't know how it got into a centaur with eight legs, but here we are. And I just love that it's now the reindeer that are leading the way for Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun one for sure. I think there's probably some more mythology there too. Again, you know, reindeer come from the part of the world where all this Norse mythology comes from. And so I think there's a lot of weavings in there likely that I didn't unearth but we we mentioned decking the halls already bringing in boughs of greenery the idea of decorating a christmas tree bringing a tree inside and and having decorations on it is actually a christian tradition it often gets misattributed to pagan roots and there again there are threads of pagan roots there too but the whole idea of bringing a tree inside to decorate was i believe it was 14th century i don't have those notes in front of me but it's it's not it wasn't stolen, that one, quote unquote. It was not co-opted from elsewhere. There was likely traditions of hanging ornaments. I mean, the Romans, again, did this. During Saturnalia, they would hang metal ornaments outside on trees. They would represent either, you know, a god or Saturn himself or a patron deity. But there's also some potentials in that, in that Germanic tradition, too, where there was decorations of trees or things outside. But that bringing in of a Christmas tree really is a Christian tradition. So they can keep it. <laughs> they can keep, they can have it. They can have it. I mean, I have it too. <laughs> I love decorating a tree. <laughs> As I love all of this stuff, clearly. And then there's the Yule log, which today, most people, when you think of a Yule log, you're going to picture that roulade cake that's like a swirl of chocolate and, and white cake, which I love that that balance, that's like the light and the dark. That's a fun thing that is brought in and it's iced to look like a log. Originally, it would have been a log that was burned. Bonfires or fires are always part of these solstice, any solar celebration, the cross, cross quarter days as well on the wheel of the year. All eight wheel of the year ceremonies are very much associated with fire and burning and it, it's life giving and life sustaining for humans. Fire has been so important. And so they would light a log and may have been you know a smaller yule log that would be on a family hearth there is some reference in some of the texts to a really large log that would burn for the full 12 days because here we go again the 12 days of christmas began as yuletide which was actually 12 days of yule it began on the solstice and ended on the first of january the greatest week of the year the greatest week of the year the <laughs> greatest almost two weeks Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. <clears throat> wow. Okay, now that we know what we know about where some of these pagan traditions came from and Christian traditions and how they've all melded together, let's talk specifically about Yule. 
mm-hmm. and what Yule is and how we can celebrate Yule. Let's, yes. So we've mentioned it's the winter solstice. It is the longest night of the year. And so because of this, you know, these solar events, the solstices, the equinoxes, they are celebrated by cultures worldwide throughout time. And so there's no claiming of these dates as specific. But when we think about Yule today in the modern context, we're thinking about it as a pagan holiday as a European holiday, for sure. A lot of what we we carry through into this time is European descent. And for myself, it's always hearkening back to that. What are the Celtic traditions associated with this time? Because that's my lineage. And so I love the story of the Holly King and the Oak King. Here's where these pregnant pauses that Ellie and I had as we're like, but mistletoe grows on oak. Of course <laughs> it does. From. Of course it does is there's a Celtic myth that the Holly King and the Oak King fight twice a year. They have a big battle and they alternate who wins. And so the Holly King is associated with the dark and the Oak King is associated with the light. And so at the summer solstice, they battle and the Holly King wins. And so the nights begin to get longer and longer and at the winter solstice, they fight again and the Oak King wins. And so then we have the returning of the light and all the celebration associated with that. And so there's lots of those themes, right? That theme of light and dark and balance and introspection and quiet and turning inward, but also like a celebration of, ooh, soon we get to turn back outwards and things will start growing again. I think what I love about, what I really love about all things woo and witchy is just how balanced nature is like we're we're constantly looking to nature to show us what it is that we need to know like the the highest intelligence really comes from nature and every time we do this we learn something or we we're, we're reflected in our like something is reflected in ourselves and so I really crave the the darkening of the times during this year like especially November December hits and I'm just I'm in hibernation mode I'm in this like let's get cozy my clothing changes the textures change what we eat changes you and I talked about eating soup and then you know I start to crave the sun I'm what I'm what I'm skipping over in my head as I speak is the reason I left Ontario is because there's no sun. Actually, there's lots of sun. There's lots of sun. Here on the West Coast, we have way less sun over here. And I really start to crave that sunshine again. But Mm -hmm. in Ontario, it's still cold for six more months, practically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to see how I crave the like the coziness and the coolness as we hit fall. And I crave that sun and that light and that warmth, probably as soon as we hit January, February. Yeah, me too. That's why my partner and I are leaving (laughs) this year. We're like, we will do winter until January and then see you later. (laughs) We're out of here. And then we'll go back to summer. Yeah, it is a long, it's a long season here. And it's interesting because obviously different parts of the world experience it differently, but I've really as I've gotten older, I've embraced the cold and the turning inwards and the like, yeah, this is cozy and I love it. And for me too, it's like mid-January to early Feb and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Which if I think about my ancestry in bulk, which is February 1st, that is like a spring celebration. That is you was about to give birth to lambs. They're not doing that here because their lambs would freeze to death and (laughs) things starting to push up through the soil. And here it's still very much the cold depths of winter. So I think there's that sense in my body that like this season lasts a little too long here. (laughs) I just, just a little. Here on the West Coast, we already have crocus poking up through the earth around Feb 1st. Yeah. Here we are. That feels better. Come to the West Coast. Yeah. But yeah, so part of the reason that we get some of these, you know, traditions of bonfires and lighting candles and all of these pieces is because it is cold, it is dark, and we're needing to bring some of that light in 
to to get through the the long dark and the cold dark and you mentioned connection too right this celebrating together historically there wouldn't have been much else to do it wasn't really pleasant to be outside for very long there wasn't much light you didn't have electricity and so gathering with friends and family to feast and celebrate would have been really needed in the depths of winter it's totally time to do that yeah the celebrations around this year are most definitely my favorite part I think as well, you know, this is a good opportunity for us to sit with the darkness and for us to sit with death. This is our winter, our death season. This is our our hibernation. This is our time that we get to reflect on how far we've come. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but just it's the time to go inward and Mm -hmm. to be in darkness. And I remember that a lot of you know, a lot of what I loved as a kid was just how dark the night was, just how incredibly dark the night was. And the the sky, especially whenever the stars were out, how reflective that was on the snow in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I noticed that falling asleep the other night. We finally had snow again here. We got some in October and then it's been unseasonably warm and actually rained last week, which is bizarre. But we got snow and I couldn't sleep because it was so freaking bright because all of the like all the street like I'm in the city, all the streetlights and stuff reflect off of the snow and it's just it's incredible. And so you can imagine being out of the city lights and just having the starlight and the moonlight reflecting the moon on the crest of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. Speaking of romance. Speaking of romance. I know that whole poem. I, love I memorized it as a kid. I loved it so much. <laughs> I I don't know if I've met somebody who has like loved this season like you gutturally love this season. Like I know people who love Christmas kitsch and putting things up and gift giving out, but you love the tradition. I do. I really do. <laughs> I don't know what. And it's so interesting because we've said on previous episodes, I haven't believed in Santa. Since I, well, because I asked my mother when I was two years old how he got in the house, we didn't have a chimney, and she told me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not that. That's not the magic of it for me. It's always just been about the, the gathering. Yeah. Yeah. The joy and the celebration and the gathering and the singing together, carols. I we had we had carols in the gym when through middle school and high school we got to go sit and sing carols and so that was always great we got to go out of class and sing together <laughs> I was delighted I know that you did not go to school for theater but you really should have <laughs> I tried for a bit I was too painfully shy <laughs> it's true you need to be like the backup you know, the in the background instead of in the foreground of whatever this is. How can we sing together? How can we make this a musical? Can yeah, we all sing together. Nowadays, I'm not too shy. I like put me in the middle. It's fine. The, <laughs> Le- the spotlight. The Leo sun has come out. Yes, <laughs> she has risen. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, tell me, you have some really interesting tidbits about the the feasts that we have this at this time of year. Yeah, again, in my deep dive research, preparing for my own Yule ceremonies, which will be over by the time you're listening to this. But it was interesting because some one of the themes I, I speak to at Salwin is always, you know, thinking about, okay, the harvest is done, the food stores are put away, we go into the long dark. And part of that is a bit of an insecurity around, did we harvest enough? Do we have enough food to get us through? And so my my brain was like, well, but then why is all, there all this feasting in the middle of winter? Like that feels maybe a little bit fr- frivolous if you have limited food stores. But the tradition, again, Norse history, it was really far north. It was really cold. There was very limited food and they had livestock. And so they would be at this point of the winter, they would slaughter a lot of their livestock because they didn't actually have the feed to get them through the rest of the winter, the the animals themselves. And so they'd keep kind of a minimum stock on hand to breed and to replenish their herds. And then they'd have all of this meat available. And so they actually could gather and feast and yeah, meat pies and I don't know, turkeys are a North American thing, but that's a later addition. Poultry. Poultry, yeah. Birds, but mostly, yeah, like you think about the like 
venison and and pie and stew and roast and all of that kind of stuff would have been more traditional with this time of year and it would have been plentiful it's interesting my family always had a turkey at christmas and always had turkey at thanksgiving and then had ham in easter and in my adulthood now in the last few years i have gone back to we're having beef we're having whatever kind of roast we can. So we've said goodbye to poultry and we have moved on to the other meats in the world mm-hmm. that I, I just really love. And I love making something like that. And I love the richness of it, the like real rich flavor of the food and the mm-hmm. gravy and the vegetables and the earthiness yeah. of the roots and whatnot. So yeah, it's so good. My my brother-in-law likes to do something that's not turkey. A lot of us still want some turkey, so I usually am in charge of making some turkey. I got half a turkey this year, which is easier to cook. And <laughs> he did one year he did half a turkey. Yeah, my butcher will cut it right in half of me, which is great because I usually spatchcock it to cook it anyways because then it cooks more evenly and let me tell you spatchcocking a turkey last year I bent my cast iron scissors so my shears so wow (laughs) it's I'm glad that he's doing it for me this year (laughs) but we did one year my my brother-in-law made beef wellington last year he did pork belly with like crackling it was so good I think we're gonna do that again this year so I did a roast pork I did two roast porks last year I did a roast Mm -hmm. ham and Mm -hmm. I did a roast shoulder blade and I roasted them both on a charcoal barbecue all day long oh delightful yeah yeah we had so we had a a feast last year but there was maybe a few too many dishes that all needed the oven at different temperatures the plague plague we ended up with the barbecue I I was like finishing the turkey on the barbecue (laughs) this this is why this is exactly why I used a barbecue all day all day yeah (laughs) exactly how am gonna do those pie okay Right. <laughs> Unless it's it's yeah. sometime afterwards. My grandmother actually always she was appalled one year. Uh, she always came to my house in adulthood. We always hosted a Christmas meal and she always came to my house and she was appalled one year that I made a, a pie, but like at the same time as dinner. Like why wouldn't I make that pie in the morning? Then it would cool <laughs> enough. Right. Right. And I literally said to her, Granny, what a brilliant idea. I will now make my pie in the morning. It's like you might know a thing or two about the kitchen. Yeah, and raising many children and cooking for all of them. Cooking for all of them. Hi, everybody. This is a public service announcement. Make your pie the day before or in the morning. And then if it's apple, you just heat it back up a little bit so that you can put your... Is anybody else a fan of of old white cheddar? We always got bricks of of old cheddar in our stocking because we all love... I know we all love old cheese. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so you put that on your apple pie. Oh my God, chef's kiss. I've, I've not had it, but I've had a lot of people talk about cheddar cheese on their apple pie. And it does sound delicious to me. It is so good. Leave your ice cream at home. Okay. Do not touch me with your ice cream. I just want cheddar cheese on my apple pie. <laughs> and your your whipped cream. I'll have a side dish of that. But no, cheddar cheese yeah. on my, my apple pie, please. <laughs> oh, we, we also, I'd love to bring in the ancestors here. I think this is something that I talk speak to it at every will of the year ceremony but I think everybody can probably really relate to bringing ancestral traditions and foods and things into this particular holiday because it is the one that so many of us have handed down and so it's a great time to acknowledge them to honor them to call them in by cooking their traditional foods or honoring their traditions that they had around the holiday season and I like to sit as well and always just kind of acknowledge, again, this time of year would have been a celebration, but also there was uncertainty in the depths of winter. And so what they had to do to survive through the winter, I like to just give thanks for the fact that they had the tenacity and were able to carry on in the midst of long, dark cold whatever else that's even hard to really imagine from this place in my very well heated home I want to also say as a little fun thing so the pies that I make are all my grandmother's recipe speaking of ancestors and holiday traditions and I also love my former partner was Korean and one of the traditions is to have a place setting out for an ancestor Mm. and it's just such a lovely like and let's invite them to this meal let's Mm -hmm. let's include them 
And I just really love that, that tradition that we had. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is. And that that's something that is associated with Samhain as well. But I really do like the idea. For me, there's a lot of ancestor presence in Yule because of the traditions and the ceremony around it. Whereas, you know, the traditions associated with Samhain are much more ancient. For many of us, we don't have a direct connection to them. Often we're re- revitalizing these very old connections and so yule is different in that you know when i make my grandma's shortbread cookies they were hers (laughs) and i remember making them with her and eating hers and i still can't get them as good as she got them i don't know what i'm doing wrong and just all of that you know we we eat christmas dinner on her china that she gave to my mom the i can't remember the name it's like some fancy french china it's chipped a little bit but like we have this big fancy meal on this china that we then have to hand wash. <laughs> of course, it has gold. My china from my grandmother has gold around the outside of the plate. You yeah, can't put it in a dishwasher. No, you can't. It'll ruin. So there's all that that really direct connection. My grandmother also passed us down the, the tradition for my family of eating cheese and fruit for breakfast. Cheese, fruit, and croissants. Ooh. Ooh. That's our Christmas breakfast. I love this. I love, we are, we are a casserole kind of family, a breakfast Mm. casserole kind of family. But I do want to tell you about my grandmother's shortbread because my grandmother was such a spitfire. She's this little Scottish four foot nothing spitfire, raised five children on her own. We don't need no man. You know, the definition of feminist in her day without ever identifying as a feminist. This is, this is her. This is granny. We called her ninja. We called her ninja because whenever she hugged you, she slapped you on the back so hard, she'd just pop your head right off. Like she just was a tough, tough individual, soft, innard, hard outer. And I would say to her, granny, I want your shortbread recipe. Just give me your shortbread recipe. I, I forgot that I had put it in my phone years ago. And she, every time I asked her, it became a joke. She'd say, oh, you don't want that recipe. I said, granny, I want your recipe. Come on. I want to do, I want to make the shortbread this year. You don't want that recipe. You know, you don't want that recipe because you got to work it. You got to work it. You got to work it. And you got to work it. And I said, Granny, I'll work it. And I didn't know what she meant. So finally, she gives me the recipe this one year. She's sitting in my kitchen. We had this stool that we called our granny stool. And she's telling me, okay, you have to, you know, it's a pound of butter. And it's a a pound or so of flour. Like it's something ridiculous. Four cups of flour. Pound of butter, cup of sugar, pinch of salt. That's it. I don't even know if there's salt in mine. I'm going to have to check my recipe. And she then is like, you have to then divide it into four or five and you got to work each ball. So divide it into four or five balls and you got to work. And she would just literally straight face, you got to work it, you got to work it, and you got to work it. I was like, granny, I'm going to work it. So that next year I made it in my KitchenAid, bypassing all of the working it. And I was like, granny, what do you think of the shortbread? And she's like, oh, it's pretty good. It's hard to make, how you got to work it. I was like, I worked it. I worked it real hard. So every year I make my granny's shortbread. Now it is a, a different version of the shortbread. Also translates to gluten-free, but you just make a smaller batch because that is a lot of cookie. And not everybody in the family eats the gluten-free version. And it's just like, oh, she's just such a delight. That was such a delight. So I love, thank you for allowing me to share that memory with all of you. Mm-hmm. I love it. My grandmother used beaters. <laughs> Really? she was no. past the work it she was and it says beat well and I'm, I'm like how long as well I can still no, no. yeah I can still smell like my mom has the beater that she's had since I was a little girl oh my gosh so it's, me- it's metal on the bottom and it's heavy and I can smell the way it smells when it's running like the motor I like the <laughs> call it to mind yeah my and it worked way better than my shitty plastic one that I have oh, yeah, from wherever no. <laughs> no, you need like you, for this. You need like a kitchen aid. Like you need a you need a Cuisinart, yeah. a kitchen aid. You need a serious beater for this. Something. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta work it. And you gotta work it. You like her exasperation about working it. And I thought, I'll show you. I'll show you modern kitchens. Here yeah, we exactly. come. Let's chat a little bit about celebrating the solstice specifically, about ceremony, about intentions, and and that piece of this because it is so easy to you know, obviously we get wrapped up in, in the way that we celebrate, which is most of us is going to be on the 25th or the 24th, depending on your, your tradition. But as we bring more of Yule back in, we can think about how to 
mark the day. So I'd love to hear if you have any specific things that you do or traditions that you follow on Yule itself. I do actually this year I have I have some things things are different this year we're being way more intentional my lover and I have for the last couple of years really taken a step back from any traditional traditions that we would have had around Christmas around the 25th and although my family has been super low-key and she is also extremely low-key Now that we are together and we live in a place where neither of us have extended family, we really just kind of flew by the seat of our pants in every moment and said, what do we want? Not a big plan of anything. Last year was the first year that we actually did a bigger meal. We had some extended family who are here and that was so lovely. I had this big harvest table to share, but this year with our intentions of what, how we want to move into this is a lot about calling back the light. And so mm. we have a we have a fireplace. And so we're planning fires, of course, probably from now until February, in bulk, uh, and beyond for that matter. <clears throat> but on the 21st, specifically, which is the this week, we'll do a fire. I have a bow set up on the table with some holly and my candles and some orange slices. The thing that I've always disliked about Christmas in quotations and the holidays is the rush to relax, the rush to get Mm -hmm. everything done so that we can finally sit down and relax. And so, you know, I'm not concerned that it's not December 1st and my wreaths aren't incomplete, you know? I am just in every moment starting to really take a a relaxed schedule and creative outlet when it comes to whatever it is that we're doing. So fire, decorating the uh, bow on the table, so that on our big harvest table, we'll also, I have a a lot of candles. I've I've talked in the past about my love of candles, and so we'll probably light more candles in the house. And the thing that I'm most excited about is just the amount of feasts that we're going to have. And Mm. so I thought... We're going to do a lot of charcuterie boards or samplings of of meals instead of like really big sit down meals. And then probably around the 25th or sometime between the 25th and the first, because we're really not concerned with the with the timing exactly, we'll do a full meal. And I think this year, maybe a beef brisket Mm. on the charcoal barbecue, but it'll definitely have a brisket sitting in the fridge. And I also have some pork and some beef roasts and so I'll make a decision closer to the time of what it is that we're going to actually actually do and then of Mm -hmm. course divination tools all the time so I always do a reading for the upcoming year and a reflection of my the past of what happened over the past year so Mm -hmm. I, I look back at the things that happened like major events in life and I look back at the uh, reading that I did for last year and just kind of call in the big picture of what to expect. And interestingly enough, as I looked back just the other day, took a little peek, May was this explosive year with uh, a lot of uh, change and whatnot happening. And this is the the month that my father passed away and it's like everything came crashing down and in the moment, you know, last December when I did this, I thought to myself, oh, I wonder what that would be. Because my father was, in that sense, nowhere near death. So I'm really mm. excited for that. Tell me about your traditions. Tell me about what it is that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really just started celebrating Yule as Yule, like that the solstice itself in the last definitely last year and I can't even remember if I did it the year before. Oh, I did. Yeah, I held a little ceremony for myself and two friends with the themes and the healers consultancy that I'm part of. We gather usually in December. We've already had our gathering for this year. But I really liked having, and I'm doing the same this year, my kind of social gathering pieces before and after Yule itself. Because much like the new moon, I really have this craving and desire to just be alone and like 
have that inward introspective time. Last year, I lit a fire in my fireplace and I listened to a yoga nidra. And then one of the people that I follow, I was on her Patreon. She's since posited, but her name's Kale Clausen and she does readings and she does horoscope kind of stuff. But she also created like a reflection prompt and it had gosh, I had to have at least 20 questions to like sit with and write about to reflect on the year gone by, set intentions for the year to come. So very similar. And I think I pulled a ton of cards and just did not, not so like formal year ahead, but definitely did a big reading. So for me, that's the actual date of solstice itself. I like to treat that way in ceremony that I'm going to be holding, there is that, you know, darkness returning to the light. So there is the piece of lighting candles from one candle in the middle, like turning out all the lights, turning out all the candles, lighting the one candle that represents the sun, and then, and then allowing each participant to light their own little candle from that one candle, which is really fun and special. So that's the, there's some things that can be done alone. And there's some things that really need people to hold the magic. So I really like both. And this year for the actual date of solstice, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in Hawaii. (laughs) So it's going to be a bit interesting. I'm not sure how I'm going to celebrate exactly. I'm sure it won't feel quite so cozy and dark because the light doesn't change quite as much there. And yet it is still the solstice and it is still a magical place. So I'm curious to see what will come through. I'm going to allow myself to go with the flow and decide what I want to do on that day this year. Yeah. And feasting. Oh, we always have, and my family likes to celebrate Christmas on Christmas day. And so we always do that. We do get together the night before we have drinks, we have food on Christmas Eve, and then we get up early stockings happen before breakfast and then we have breakfast and then presents happen after that sounded very much like the tradition that we had as well stockings then food stockings were like we can hold the kids off long enough if we can allow them the stockings. exactly and as we grew up a little bit later we also had like you could come down and actually open your stocking like you didn't have to wait for mom and dad to come in and come down yeah so that that actually held us off that they could sleep for more than like a hot second Mm-hmm. My parents were also very, very much the individuals who went shopping on the 23rd and 24th, like started Christmas shopping on the 23rd and 24th. Oh boy. I, I love a fly by the city of your pants. And yeah. this year, this year we adopted, every year we adopt a grandma and grandpa through a place here called London Drugs, a sh- kind of shoppers pharmacy mm. type place. We've got London we have- Drugs. We don't, we don't have London Drugs in Ontario. We oh, didn't. okay. We never, yeah, and I love London Drugs. If anybody else is listening, tell me if you love London Drugs as well. I love it. <laughs> so at London Drugs, you can adopt a grant. You can adopt a senior. It's stockings for seniors is what it's called. Oh. And so, it, although grandma and grandpa want things like that don't fit in a stocking. And I'm happy to provide them for that. So they had slippers and scarves and blankets and cookies and chocolate. And grandma loves pink. And wanted mascara. And I was like, yes, you do, grandma. And so you hand them in the first weekend, or I guess it was the second was the 8th of December. And so it always gets me thinking about Christmas shopping way earlier than normal, because I'm also a last minute shopper, but not the 23rd and 24th. Mm -hmm. Those are for picking up last minute things. But I'm around the, I would say 15th to 20th I have not done so this year because everything feels like I don't have enough time right now (laughs) but I was a like my Christmas shopping was done by December 1st person for wow many many years yeah not so much anymore but definitely I don't like leaving things to the last minute it stresses me the fuck out (laughs) I I spend a lot of time pondering what I want to get and like looking at a lot of things. Yeah, I collect ideas through the year. And then that's how I've done it. Like with friends and family, people I know I'm buying for, I think about it for a long lead up because I want to make sure I get something really good. I think we touched on this last time. One of my love languages or like my top love languages gift giving. And so I have a deep desire to gift really good presents. And so it takes time. So if I haven't gotten it by, like, it's fine if I know what it is and I haven't bought it, but if I don't know what it is and I'm into December, it's like, 
super stressful. So I try to be prepared. I still, I, I have a couple of ideas. I have sort of a couple of ideas for my lover this year, but I really, the jury's still out. Come on over to Instagram. Tell us what your, either your favorite gift, but I want to know both actually your favorite gift from your partner has been. And two, if you are someone who has a gift already for your partner, what it is that they're, they asked for. As long as they're not also following us. Yeah. I mean, drop into our DMs. We'll keep it a secret. (laughs) Exactly. We will definitely keep it a secret. Looking for ideas, asking for a friend. Uh, Yeah. Let's close off this with, do you have a favorite memory from childhood? Yes. Please tell me. It, yeah, it happened every year. My favorite memory around this time of year was always getting the tree and decorating the tree. And so we would always go out as a family with another big group of families. So I I grew up in Canmore and my parents moved there in their early twenties and most of them and their friends couldn't afford to be flying home every year for Christmas. And so they started a tradition of gathering together. So there's like a group of four or five families that we did, you know, Easter, Thanksgiving and Christmases together. And so the one family had a music night on the Friday, second Friday in December. And then the next day we'd all go out Christmas tree hunting. And every year my parents were like, why do we do this? We're all hungover. (laughs) Or maybe it was a Sunday after a Saturday party. I can't quite remember, but we'd go out to the woods. We'd all trek through, we'd be cold. We'd be drinking hot chocolate. We'd find a tree. And then when we got it back, decorating was just so fun, you know, pulling out all of the ornaments. They all have a memory attached And then once the tree was decorated until I was well, I was like probably into my like preteens. We still did this because my sister's eight years younger than me. Once the tree was decorated and the lights were on the tree, we, I would run around the house and turn out every single light, like the downstairs basement bathroom light couldn't be on every light in the house turned out just the tree and we'd put on the nutcracker ballet suite and dance. This is the best. I am like, this is a great holiday tradition. A great. It was amazing. It just the magic. Like looking back, I'm like, my parents just sat there in the dark on the couch watching me and my sister dance. But I have memories of like crawling under the tree and the magical lights and the like drama of the music and interpreting it. And (laughs) I had seen the ballet a few times and it was just my favorite, favorite and most magical part of the whole season. We've made a decision, we, the collective and I, have made a decision that if you were to ever go back to school, it needs to be something with theater. <laughs> and performance. It at least has to include elements to that. Right. It needs to be a mystery school that includes elements to that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your magical or favorite childhood memory? It's probably magical. It's super magical. I actually, a younger Ellie... Little baby Ellie, probably around, I'd say, five to seven. We lived on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. To be clear, we lived on a pig farm, which I loved. Out in the middle of nowhere. And my dad would take the truck out into the field with all of us in the back. And we'd carol and look for Santa Claus. Oh. It was, it wasn't supposed to be so emotional, but every year I would be like, I think that's Santa. And my parents would be like, yeah, that must be him. You know, now we have like, follow him on your Instagram and other things. But at that point in life, some years ago, we had an old pickup truck in the middle of a snowy field with a bunch of people drinking probably hot chocolate and among, and other things, libations, other things. And looking for Santa. And it was just so special. Oh, that sounds so, thank so you. magical. Yeah. So, so magical. Yeah. I loved it. We we weren't a singing family. We weren't like, you know, some families just just sing all the time. But this was this was one of the times of the year that we sang. And it was lovely. And I also really loved going to seniors. I also loved singing Christmas carols untraditional Christmas carols like not the not the religious ones at seniors residences and I am I think of myself as not a singer in quotations but I love belting things out 
also why I love karaoke. And so singing is definitely part of part of things. This weekend, my lover poured me a lovely bath and I, I got in and lit some candles and she brought me some charcuterie in the bathtub and I snacked as I as I bathed and she turned on Mariah Carey's Christmas album. Amazing. I sang on top of my lungs in the bathtub. That sounds wonderful. I love that. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) I am constantly singing. I always, it's always something that I'm doing, but I love the, I love the magic. I love the magic that gets woven into family. I love the connection through song, through food, through carried traditions. And I think that's why I've always just loved this season because I always felt so close to everyone it's funny that you say, you know, when you're a little bit older, you were allowed to open your stockings before the parents came down. Cause that was my, the rule with my sister was she could come into my room. We couldn't go downstairs until it was seven o'clock, I think. And so she'd come into my room and I was eight years older than her. <laughs> I remember one year she came in at like four 30 and oh we just gosh. lay in my bed chatting and like bonding. So that was another really magical piece as I felt really close to my sister at that time. And then we'd creep downstairs and open our stockings. And then by the time we were wrapping up, I think my parents would listen to hear when we were done and they would never come down until we were done opening our stockings. And then our yeah, parents. we're tied it, tied it over until breakfast was had. <laughs> I love this. So good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really what is so great about this time of year is that there's so much magic woven into the everyday and you know to get up on my patriarchal high horse just for a half a second I was discussing with my partner the other day like what what will we tell our future children or child for that matter matter what will we you know what will we say about Santa and about you know this whole rhetoric around naughty and nice which is Mm. you probably do a whole episode on just the naughty and nice part and I said, like, do we, does Santa come to her does, or them for that matter? Does Santa, you know, what does Santa do? And my initial response was something that is, is rather crude. Santa's dead, people. Santa's dead. No, of course he doesn't come. And then this whole magical side of things came back to me and I thought, oh, how lovely is it that there's magically something like a stocking? And and we talked about the the whole idea around does Santa bring gifts? Because in some households, Santa brings the major gifts. And mm-hmm. in other households, he just brings a gift or two. And and mm-hmm. in, in when I was growing up, Santa brought most of the gifts and my parents mm-hmm. gave us a gift or two. And so we just, we spoke about these things. And I think this is a really good thing to think about if you have children and how you want to create your own traditions at this time of year. But magic is really sprinkled into everything that we do at this time. And I think that's why that's what I loved about this time of year. And the whole consumerism was what I had a middle finger for. I'm descending off my patriarchal high horse now in this moment. I mean, we can stay up there. We're always up there. We're Yeah, right. but never very is. far. The consumerism has seeped earlier and earlier into the year and become more and more fevered. And it's just, it's not what it's about. And it's the perfect time of year for bringing the magic into the mundane. And yeah, so that's, that's where the real, that's where the real joy and love of this season comes from. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before we go, Eileen, do you have anything that is happening for the Wooker out there to sign up for or to join you? Well, inside the Patreon, there's going to be a Yule ceremony guide. So if you want to hop on in there, if you want to grab yourself a little bit of ceremony and ritual around Yule to celebrate for yourself or to do with friends, I've dropped a guide in there. It should go live today, I believe. We're recording this the week before. I'm pretty sure that's going live today. Sorry. Lots of time to prepare. Yes, lots of time to prepare. And then obviously we do have altar building suggestions and things like that. Because again, it's a nice time of year to create or recreate your altar. And then me personally, I have a wait list open to work with me one-on-one in 2024. I'm really feeling this need to shift and again, align with the, the larger movements, the larger seasons, and the recognition that healing and stepping into our potency and our power it takes time it doesn't happen overnight and so I've designed a container a six-month one-on-one container space with me to help 
bring about that transformation, the change, the deep healing work that so many of us need right now. And so the wait list is open. There's going to be bonuses for being on the wait list. If you are on the wait list and you decide to join me and, and step into that container space, there's some really lovely bonuses attached. So if you want to hop on the wait list, the link will be below. And if you're still scrambling for some last minute Christmas gifts, I have soul council sessions available and they make a great gift. If I do say so myself. They would make a great gift. Mm-hmm. This. And you? I have books still open and slots still available for the the year ahead tarot sessions. So if this is something you're interested in, again, bringing, especially around you all, this is a great time to, to reflect back and to look ahead. And so you can book those directly on my website. I'll put the the link below and actually I do have a program that is launching in January that I'm just going to drop a little tiny hint about now and I'll continue to talk about as we move along but this is a a program that is for really come closer pull up a chair (laughs) the wild woman or the woman who wants to bring the wild back we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. taboo topics we're going to be talking about things that uh, turn us on this is all around sacred pleasure and this is an opportunity to work with me in a small group format in this program that is the running for the very first time. And I am just so excited to welcome you in. So Wild Women program, I'm in mean, January, more details to come. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yay. If you want to come join us over on our Patreon, the membership is open. It is fun. It is fantastic. We are so excited about offering this to all of you. And like we said, we have our Witches Corner that is happening, which is our, our Q&A, our monthly Q&A. We have Book Club that is coming up. We just had our New Moon card reading, and I'll have more information about cards in the group as well. We have Eileen's Yule traditions and altar building. And it's just like, it's the place for the Woo Crew. It's the official and- Woo Crew hangout. And all the behind the scenes, like every time we go off on a wild tangent and we can't fit it in the episode, it's where it's landing. Exactly. <laughs> Come find us over there. The link for that's below. Come find us on, on Instagram. You can find us at, at the.wucurious.podcast on Instagram. If you want to leave a five-star review because you love this. I love that we have, we've shown up in some people's unwrapped or no, what is it called? Wrapped? Spotify, Spotify wrapped, wrapped, yes, which is top so five for nineteen people. A friend of mine just sent me their Spotify wrapped, and it was we're number four on their list. Amazing, I love it. Okay. So good. So you can leave us a five star rating over on Spotify, and a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts. And if Thank you enjoyed you this, so much. yeah, tag us in your Instagram post by us on the on your Instagram and your stories. Tag us. We're going to share this. And if you have friends that you think would be interested in more Yule in their life and learning more about Yule traditions, then send them this episode. It's one of the mm-hmm. greatest one of the greatest compliments we have is a five star review and a and a referral. So thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll be dropping in next week with three mini sods for the week of Christmas, taking a little mini break ourselves. Yes. Before indeed. we regather. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Happy Yule, everyone. Happy Yule.